So what I'm going to try to do in the next 30 seconds to a minute is just kind of put the last month in a capsule to understand where we've been and where we're going. So uh, about three weeks back, Pastor Jared talked about running a race, what that looks like. Um, then last week, I talked about one specific person who ran his race. He knew the race that he was going to run in the context of revival. We talked a little bit about revival, and I just kind of defined that a little bit. But one of the statements that I made, and um, it was kind of a setup, but one of the statements that I made last week during the message was, there, there is one thing that's better than revival, or there's, there's one, one way to live that's better than than needing revival, and that's living in a place of being revived, continually revived. And it's possible, it's possible. I believe that if the church was in a state of, of, of people who understood what it meant to be continually revived, you wouldn't need revival for the church. God would still do awesome things. I'm not saying he wouldn't intervene. I'm not saying that, that we would all of a sudden tie his hands together and say, okay, God, we got it from here. No, what, I'm, what I'm saying is the reason revival comes is for us to be transformed so that we can reform the world around us. And just to kind of give you, for those of you who weren't here, the, the definition that I used for the context of, of what we're talking about for revival, I, I took this from Tim Keller that I heard. I, I just really like this. And he said, um, revival is really made up of three things. He said, revival is when sleepy Christians wake up. And I believe that's a little bit what God was doing just right now during that, that prayer time. He said, so it's when sleepy Christians wake up, it's when nominal Christians are converted. And he used the word hardcore, but I'll just say like uh, unbelievers or people who don't, don't know God. It's when they are being attracted to the new beauty and boldness of the church, which ultimately leads them to Christ. But that's not... The intention of revival, the intention of revival is everything that happens in order to introduce people to God, in order to get them turned back to him so that they can be transformed. And then after they're transformed, they reform, they reshape the world around them. So it's, it's revival, it's transformation, and then it's reformation. And, and it's in that order. And so what I wanted to look at here tonight very briefly is what it would look like that after that revival takes place, after you give your life to Christ, after something significant happens in your life, how do you keep that going? How do you live at, at a place of continually being revived? And this is crazy because this very thing was hidden from the world. I know it sounds like clickbait. Most of you, I don't know if anyone knows what clickbait is, but um, I don't, ha, have you ever seen like articles online that says, um, like, I don't even know, how, like I'm thinking of something good. I'll put it in a Christian context. Um, let's see. Yeah, it's like the seven magnificent keys of taking on the world for Jesus. And it's like, eat a healthy breakfast, um, you, you know, and it's like, oh, they just wanted you to click on it, right? But this is not clickbait. There was a mystery. There was literally a mystery that just means something hidden, okay? Mystery, it's not mystical. Uh, mystery, there was something hidden for a very long time here on earth from people. 
that is the key to living revived. Pretty crazy. And it wasn't revealed until Christ was crucified. So up until the point when Christ was crucified, nobody knew this. That's pretty crazy. But there's a reason for that. I'm just going to go jump right into Scripture. This is Paul writing. We're going to start in Colossians 1, 25 through 27. And it says, I have become its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. And this is what I'm talking about right here. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. We're going to stop right there, but you can leave it up there. It says, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. So what he's saying is like all the way up until this point in time, this thing was hidden. It was hidden from all the ages. And there's a reason for it. And I'll tell you after I tell you the mystery. Continuing, it says, God wanted to make known among the Gentiles, and it's, it's all people. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, the one that's been hidden for all the ages up until this point. And this is the mystery. This is the key to living revived. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's like, wow, okay, so there's been this mystery, this thing that, that, that's been hidden. It sounds like there's this huge thing that's been built up all the way until this point. And then, you know, it's like, okay, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Why, 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 why was that hidden? Why did that have to be hidden? Well, God's plan to bring his glory back to this earth was already figured out before the foundation of time. His plan was to send Christ to be crucified on the Christ, to be crucified on the cross, to be buried and raised again, so that eventually we would come to know him and he would live inside of us. And God's plan to bring glory back to this earth is Christ in us, the hope of his glory being restored. Why was that hidden? I think that if the enemy knew that ahead of time, I don't think he'd try so hard to kill Christ. What would be easier, for the enemy to defeat one Jesus or a million Jesuses? If that's even, can you say Jesuses? I didn't plan on saying that. That sounded, that just sounded weird. That sounded weird. Somebody can Google that. I, I don't, how do you say Jesus plural? Jesus is, is I don't know. But, but that's, that's God's plan. God's plan was hidden until Christ did what he needed to do. And it's interesting because if you look at, I include myself in this because this is something that God's working on me with. But if you look at a lot of believers, we still don't really understand this. But this is the key to living a life that's truly revived. Once we understand that it's Christ in us, that there's no separation, you can't... We'll get into that. I'm going to read a couple more scripture. 
So we're going to go to Colossians 2, um, 8 through 12. It says, be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world rather than Christ. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. So this is saying that the fullness of God, his nature, everything that he is, dwells bodily in Christ. And you, that's all of you, have been filled by him. What? Christ in you, the hope of God's glory here on this earth. 1 Corinthians 2.12 says, Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who comes from God, so that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who comes from God. Second Corinthians 5, 16 through 19. From now on then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, Yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the word world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. What does that mean? New creation in Christ. It's super simple because it defines it for us immediately after that. So God's saying ever since the beginning of time and, and, and Adam fell, his plan for bringing his glory back to this earth was putting Christ in us. Hear my heart when I say this. This is challenging but not condemning, okay? So if his plan for his glory to be spread on this earth is Christ in us, my question to myself and everyone here and anyone who's listening to this is how much of his glory are you seeing in your life? That's an indicator to transformation that's still needed in you. And me. We'll go there in a minute. So new creation, what does that mean? It's the, it's the image of Christ. Old things passed away. So when I was 27 or 28, I don't remember what it was, somewhere around there, um, when I heard that message for the first time, and I understood it, and I said yes, Right then and there, old things passed away. They're gone. All things have become new. Christ is in me. Hope of God's glory being manifested in my life and the life around me. And all those things that have become new, all of those things are from God. However, I had zero clue as to what that meant. 
when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, our spirits are, are good. We're right with God in our spirits. But our, our body and, and our soul, our mind, will, and emotion, they have no idea what just happened to them. <laughs> they have no clue. I'm trying to think of a good example of this. Okay, so for a period of time, uh, I, had a, I had an issue um, trying to get up in the morning. Like, I literally could not get up in the morning. It wasn't just a, yeah, I'm tired, I need coffee. Like, I literally, I was struggling. I wanted to, I tried to, but I'd roll back to sleep, or I would actually get up, but then instead of doing something, I would just go to the couch and sit down and fall back asleep. I could not wake up. I needed some type of transformation in my life so that I could break that cycle because I needed to get up and help with the kids go to school and, and all that stuff and my wife started working and, and all of that stuff, all the dynamics at home changed and, and I needed to be able to get up and, and help and, and be present and everything. And so I needed transformation in my life. But because I had lived that way for so long, my body was used to it, my mind was used to it, my will, my emotions, everything was set up based upon that, that old understanding. So what I had to do was I had to renew my mind to a new understanding. So what I did was the complete opposite. As soon as the alarm would wake up, I wouldn't do anything except for move over to the side of the bed, put some clothes on, put my shoes on and go immediately outside and do a, a, a lap around the neighborhood. The complete opposite of what I normally had, do, had done in the first place. And what I did, I, I learned this from some book that I read. Um, it's just, it's a principle that's backed by science, but um, I needed to do something to transform my mind. So this was just an indicator. I spoke this out loud, and trust me, this will come into play later. But I spoke this out loud. I just said um, five, four, three, two, one, and that signified to my brain that I'm going to be doing something different. So I said five, four, three, two, one, and then I got out of bed and I did what I needed to do. And after a few days of doing that, that became my new norm. I renewed my mind to a new understanding of what the morning looks like so that my life could be transformed and it could affect my life in a positive way. Um, Mel Robbins is somebody who, who, who talked about that. She has a, a book, I think, or something. I saw a YouTube video, um, but that's where I got that from. But it's the same thing with us. So the minute we get saved, we're used to an old way of living, but that has to change. But unless we renew our mind, we're going to be trying to live the old way, and it's going to be a struggle. When I got saved, I knew something happened. I met God for the first time. I experienced God. It was powerful. But I didn't, I didn't know what I was supposed to do after that. And it was, it was a struggle. It was a struggle. And it doesn't have to be a struggle. It really doesn't. It's interesting because what we tend to do as, as Christians, is, and especially in the context of healing, the enemy loves to 
wiggle himself in this. So it's Christ in us, the hope of glory when we're saved. But the minute we feel like we're supposed to pray for somebody for healing, we automatically start thinking, well, I don't know if I can do that. Did you hear that? Did you hear the mistake in that? I don't know if I, I can do that. We tend to go through life, even as Christians, even as believers, even as, as right-hearted, righteous people, we tend to go through life wanting to separate what God has joined. But with Jesus, there was no separation. There was zero separation. I'm going to read a couple of these to you just to kind of pound this in a minute. So these, this is just examples of scriptures um, with, with Jesus being one with the Father. And I'm not going to say all the references just for the sake of time, but I'm just going to read some. Um, so it says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell them everything I command them. So God's word in Jesus' mouth. Truly, truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, and yet you people do not accept our testimony. So Jesus replied, truly, truly, I tell you, the Son cannot do nothing by himself unless he sees the Father doing it. For whatever the Father does, the Son also does. There's no separation there. And I'm even going to interject on this and just say, even if Jesus had his own opinion on something, there was zero separation and he still did what the Father wanted him to do. In the garden, he said, Lord, if there's any other way, let this cup pass. But ultimately, he said, Lord, it's your will. Do as you will. So even though even though, even if Jesus had his own opinion, he still submitted himself to God because there was no separation. Uh, another example says, my teachings are not my own, Jesus replied. It comes from him who sent me. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but the one who sent me is truthful, and what I have heard from him I tell the world. What Jesus heard from God, he told the world. Let me give you a couple more of these. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own. Instead, it is the Father dwelling in me, performing his works. So this is Jesus' understanding of God in him. This is the same understanding that we need to have of Christ in us. There's no separation. What God says, we say. What Christ said, we say. I heard somebody explain it like this. I don't remember what those things are called. Maybe Lori, do you know? Um, there are these little toys, and there's like a, they're like a painted wooden toy, and you can like take it apart. And, what are they called? Yeah, you, you take it off. There's another doll inside of it. You take it off. There's another doll inside of it. How many of you know, just so you can, okay. So it's kind of like that. So we have us, we're like this outer shell. And as we pop the top, it's like, oh, there's the Holy Spirit. We take the Holy Spirit, we pop the top, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's Jesus. And, and, and then we pop the top, and all of a sudden it's God. And then, and then we put them all together again, and boom, like right there. Like, if you can get that picture, there's no separation. It's everything all in one. 
Jesus in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And the key to living a revived life is a full, a full understanding of that. A full understanding of that. You can say, yeah, I know that. But once again, the challenge question is, how much of his glory are you seeing in your life? Eh, this over here, not so much. This over here, eh, a little bit. This over here, I got that. Cool. These two areas right here, you need to renew your mind. One of the best ways to do that is to start to look at all of the scriptures that say in him. All of the in him scriptures. Start looking at those things, but not only looking at them, speaking them. Think of this pattern as you go through this process. Thought, word, deed. Thought, word, deed. Thought, word, deed. Thought, word, deed. So, bringing it back to my situation with, with the sleeping, I had a thought that I wanted to, to change this pattern. And so, by the word of my mouth, I signaled to my brain, I said, five, four, three, two, one. So thought, word, and then I did something. And so thought, word, deed, I got up and I, and I did a lap around the, uh, around the world, I wish. Around, <laughs> around the neighborhood. Did a lap around the neighborhood. And um, eventually, that transformed my life. When, when I'm driving down the street and all of a sudden I say, I want authentic tacos because I've got a craving for them, that thought becomes word, and it is very, very hard to not turn it into a deed. Because they're good. Just go down to vision. You can hit probably 10 of them. I, I know a, a, like from about 44th Street all the way down to Hall, there's probably a block of 10 of them. And you can just try one all the way down the road and see what one is better. We'll have to get like a, a tour bus or something like that and do a, a taco hop. That'd be sweet. I'm in. The Res Life Taco Hop. <laughs> Email Sarah S at reslife.org. That's going on. That's going on the podcast. <laughs> yes. I told you we were gonna have fun tonight. It's all good. Oh man. I'm gonna I'm just gonna hit a couple more bullet points with this and and um we'll try to send it home. I'm getting there. So Christ in us, the hope of glory, but it's our understanding that transforms us. Let's throw one more scripture in there. Romans 12, 2. says, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So don't let the world form the way that you think. Don't let the world form the way that you think. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That is definitely not the world's way of doing things. So don't let the world form your mind so that you don't have room for that understanding. Seek that understanding which will cause transformation and you will no longer be formed by the world's way of thinking.
We're going to do a couple declarations here in a minute just to try to pound this home. But I had a couple of very random fragmented thoughts, and I have no idea where they fit in, but they're good. So we're talking about Christ in us, the hope of glory. I want you to think about this. God invested in us. He invested in us. He invested Christ, his son, in us. And he's expecting a return on his investment, his glory. It's just like investing with high hopes in our financial world. We invest our finances with the hope of a return. If we would all be real and say, what's God's return on investment with me? Is it Jesus? That's a healthy question. And if you ask yourself that question and it gets you to this point of, oh, man, that's a good place. It's like, okay, God, where am I missing it? Renew my mind. Show me. Go to those scriptures, all those scriptures that say in him, by him, through him, with him. What's his return on investment in me, in you? Is it Jesus? And I'm just going to say this one because this is fun. Ricky might tweet this one. I had this thought, just thinking about Christ in me and how it's so easy to hear these things and not fully understand it. It's so easy. It's hard to renew the mind because that takes discipline. And the enemy will try to make you think that discipline is legalism. He'll try to take something good and make it so extreme that you would be like, oh, I'm not going there. But renewing of the mind is something that takes discipline. For me to do that, that morning routine, it took discipline. But it wasn't legalistic. It just took discipline in order to retrain myself so that I would be transformed. It's the same thing with the renewing of the mind. It just takes discipline. And then that understanding comes. And it doesn't have to take long. It just takes consistency. But then the understanding comes. It's kind of the same way that our understanding needs to change that after we pray, and this is why I'm bringing this up, that after we pray, we say in Jesus' name. That understanding needs to change too. And I wrote this down. In Jesus' name isn't like a postage stamp to send our prayer to heaven. Thank you. Thank you. I'll say it a couple different ways and you can tweet whatever one's better. 
But think about that. In Jesus' name isn't something that we just add to the prayer. We don't, we don't write the prayer out. We don't fold it up, put it in an envelope and say, okay, postage stamp. In Jesus' name, lick that thing, stick it on there, send it to heaven, and we'll see if God gets it. In Jesus' name is us announcing the name by which we have authority in order to even speak the things that we just have spoken. That understanding comes from a renewed mind. Just like the understanding of Christ in us, the hope of glory needs to come from a renewed mind. So I'm going to try to pound this home a little bit and kind of start this process for us. Just trying to think of how to do this. And we'll just do it this way. So... Um, this is not mine. I got this. Um, JGLM Ministries. It's a video that they have on YouTube, um, and it's actually eight minutes long. Um, Christy, who I work with, I said, hey, do you want a tedious typing task? And she said, sure. I said, okay, from this minute marker, from this minute marker, I need you to type out all these declarations. <laughs> and she's like, okay, cool. Um, so this is what I want to do. I'm going to say something, and I want you to repeat it. But here's the thing. As you're repeating it, the minute something hits you, the minute you can grab a hold of something, the minute that you say something, all of a sudden you say, you know what, yes, I get that, I want you to stand up. So as we say these things, the minute you feel like, yes, I can grab a hold of this, or yes, I understand this, or oh my gosh, wow, I want that. I want you to stand up, okay? So... Is everybody ready? Is everybody warmed up? Yes, take a drink of coffee. Take a drink of water. You're going to need it. We good? I want you to say it like you mean it. All right, so I thank you, Father. This is where you guys repeat, okay? So I thank you, Father. Your word is true. It's true in me. You live in me. I live in you. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, through me. I thank you, Father, that your words are spirit and life. Those words in my mouth, your words in my mouth, produce life. I thank you. I have the Spirit of God. I thank you. I have life. I have life in abundance. I have life overflowing. I have so much life. I have life to give. And I give away to the sick and they get healed. I give away to the oppressed and they get delivered. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father, that by his stripes I was healed. And because I was, I am healed by his stripes, filled with his spirit. Right now, his words are true in me. His words are spirit and life. His words are my words. 
and therefore my words are spirit and life. When I speak, the Spirit of God agrees and brings it to pass. I thank you, Father, that right now I stir up the gift in me. I thank you, Father, that I have the faith of God. I thank you, Father, that I have faith. I have hope. I have love. The love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. Big ending. Yes, you said it. Ready? I have righteousness. I have sanctification. I have redemption. In Christ Jesus, he has made unto me wisdom, righteousness, sanctification. I am now a saint of the living God called in Christ Jesus. Amen. Give it up. Come on. All right, Father, we just thank you for what you're doing here. We thank you for your truth. And God, I just thank you that you're leading everyone here into a further truth of who you called us to be. Father, show each and every one of us through your word, through your scripture, that it's Christ in us. There's no separation at all. Help us to know that when we see Jesus, we are to see ourselves. When we see ourselves, we are to see Christ. Thank you for that truth. Thank you for that promise. And God, I just ask right now that if there's anyone here who doesn't even know where to start this process, who says, I, I want that, I don't know where to start. Or if there's anyone here who says, I don't even know Jesus, I don't even know God, but I want to know them. God, I just pray that they would be bold enough to come forward after service and speak to one of our prayer partners. Because God, this is between you and them, but I want them to fully understand what you're calling them into. Father, help us to recognize the importance of in Jesus' name, amen. And God, I am so excited for the truth that is taking root right now and the testimony to come. In Jesus' name, that's the authority by which I've been given to say those words. It's in his name that we pray, amen.